Evangelistic culture. I want to speak to you about the kingdom of light. During the holidays, uh, we went, on, uh, we went uh, to a place not far from here. And uh, every morning we went to walk on the beach. We would walk on the beach and uh, me and Sonic and our son Vian. And uh, the fourth morning we were on the beach. I had the sense that something is going to go wrong. I had, Vian was playing in the waves and I had the sense something was telling me, Andre, be ready any moment now. You need to run into the waves and go save your son. I was like, this is a weird feeling. This is a weird feeling. So about an hour later, we were, we were on the beach, we were walking, Sonic and me, we were walking down the beach, and Vian was playing like this deep in the waves, and so he was going with us, and so we were speaking, and at some point, Vian came too close to the, to the rocks where it was deeper, and so Sonic and I were just chatting, and the next moment, I hear my son screaming, shouting for help. And so, <laughs> the, he went too, in too deep, the current got hold of him and started to pull him out into the ocean, into the waves. And as any good dad would do, I immediately give my sunglasses and my phone to my, uh, to my wife. And then I ran. I ran into the waters. I, I haven't run like that in my life. I, I, my, my, my heart was chased, well, my, was, 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 was beating in my throat. I was like, my son, my son. So I ran in, dove in, grabbed him and pulled him out. It was a traumatic moment, I tell you. It was a traumatic moment for Sonic and for me and Vian. It was really, really hectic. But I, I realized if we didn't hear him, if we didn't see, it might have been the worst day of our lives. That officially would have been the worst day of our lives if our son had drowned. You know, but on the side there, they were on, the, on, the, on the rocks there, they were, there were two guys um, taking out mussels, I presume, for their fishing. And these two guys were standing about 50 meters away from where Vian was in the water with their backs to him, and they were oblivious to what was happening. They had no idea. They had no idea that a young boy was almost drowning. So I was thinking, what if we weren't there, and what if those two guys didn't hear, didn't see, and a little boy drowned? That would be bad, to say the least. But, but for me, that is a picture, an, an image of so many of us. We're so busy with our hobbies, with our little things that we find so important. And we have our backs to the people just 50 meters away that are drowning, that are losing their lives because we are so busy with our stuff. This is so real. People are drowning. I, I felt this in my heart. I felt God the Father speak to me. He say, say to me, even as you saw your son drowning and what it made, how it made you feel, this is how I feel about my children all over the globe that are drowning, that are dying in their sin. And you and I can make a difference. You see, the evangelistic culture at the heart of the evangelistic culture is this urgency. There are people drowning without Christ. We need to help say, we need to say that. We need to build an environment. We need to build a culture where each one reaches one. Do you know that there are a whole bunch of people that only you can reach? I can't. Do you know? 
There's a whole bunch of people that you are in contact with and you might be their only chance, their only answer. You there at the, at the rocks, you taking out your muscles, you are hearing their cries for help. You are the only ones that are close enough to run in and to save them. I want to ask you, are you hearing the cries of people? Are you hearing the cries for help. Because in the end, that's what it comes down to. Evangelistic culture, the evangelistic anointing is about one thing, to win souls for Christ. That's it. So I want to ask you this question. What is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the church? Is the purpose of the church, if it was a vessel, if the church was a boat, is it a luxury liner? A luxury liner? We're all lying there, soaking up the rays. Man, honey, this is lovely. I love this church. So comfortable. All the facilities. Our kids, I can't hear them screaming. Yes, wonderful. Hallelujah. This is a great church. We come, we are encouraged, and we go home and we live our lives as we always live. Is that the purpose of the church? Or is the purpose of the church to save lives? Like the U.S. Coast Guard, to go out to like, like men and women who are ready. They know why we go to church. We know why we exist. We know why we live. We live to see souls saved. We are saved to save others from drowning, from dying. You see, at the heart of the evangelistic culture, this is the paradigm you and I need to have. Without Christ, everyone perishes. No one is good enough to make heaven. No one is good enough to make heaven. If they do not know Jesus, they lost. So is there another boat that we know about in, 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 in the Bible? Yes, there is. Noah's ark. Noah's ark. I want to read this verse that, that reveals. Genesis 6 verse 17. It says, And behold, I myself, this is God, am bringing flood waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. You see, that is what happened in the past, and that is what will happen again. Those without Christ will die. So God speaks to, to uh, Noah, and God says to Noah, Noah, I, am, I feel so bad. The, 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 the people of the earth, are, they are so wicked. I am sorry for making mankind, so I'm going to destroy everybody. They are so corrupt. They are so depraved. They are so destructive. I have to literally cleanse the whole earth. But Noah, if you build this boat, and if you build it according to the dimensions I'm going to give you, you're going you're to save your family, and you're going to save the animals of the earth. So this is a picture for us. The ark represents Christ. Everybody outside dies. Everybody outside dies. Everybody outside perishes. 
You know, but something on the inside of us sometimes want to say, ah, oh, but he's not that bad. You know, he doesn't know Jesus and, you know, he blasphemes a little bit and, you know, but he's actually a really nice guy. Without Christ, that one is lost. That's what the Bible says. That's, it is so clear. Why is that so? You know, because sin, every one of us are born in sin. And sin is like a disease on the inside of us, a corrupt something that causes us to rebel against the king. To rebel against the king, to live contrary to the king of heaven, to say, I'll stuff you. You know? And you, and you know what, what we do in society? It's so, so amazing for me, the movies. They don't use the name of Muhammad as a, as a cuss word, do they? But they use the name of Jesus. Why? Why that name? Why the name of Jesus, the one that died for us at the cross? Why that name? Why when they are angry and want to cuss someone out, they say, Jesus? Because we're corrupt. We're depraved. We have the disease called sin that causes us to blaspheme the name of our God. Say, Stuff the king who made everything. Do you see it? It's all over. We've rebelled against the king. Do you know what earthly kings do when, 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 when people rebel against that king? At least put them into jail. Otherwise they execute them. That's the truth. So we have a God of love that died for us on the cross. But he's also a holy God that demands justice for rebellion, justice for sin, unless Jesus takes our place. We call upon his name and we are saved. You know, people sometimes ask, how can a, good, how can a loving God send people to hell? I would want to say, how can a loving God not send people to hell? Let me illustrate. You're the father of a family, say you've got five children. One of the children go off track, becomes a drug addict. He steals and destroys the rest of the family. What does a loving father do? A loving father puts his son down and says, my boy, I love you so much. I'll do anything for you. But unless you deal with this, your addiction that is destroying this home, I have to put you outside. For the sake of the family, I have to put you outside until you deal with this. Then you're welcome back. You see, and that's what God the Father has done. He has said, my son, my children, unless you repent, unless you turn from your sins, unless you allow me to wash you clean with the blood of Jesus, that you remove this disease from your system, I cannot allow you into heaven because you will corrupt and destroy heaven. I love you so much. I've proven it. I have died for you. I've done everything. I've sent five people to you to tell you about Jesus. Five times. You've heard the message that I love you and I've given my life to you. Unless you turn, I can't help you. I'll have to put you out. You see, God is love, but He's also holy. And for the sake of the family, He needs to keep, he needs to keep sinners out. Make sense? This is the truth. And this is at the heart of evangelistic culture is an urgency where you and I know if, you, if they have not received Christ, doesn't matter how good, good they are, they lost. 
they are lost. So I remember with Vian, you know, after I ran into the ocean to save him, the next few days he would come to me. He would hug me and he'd say, Daddy, thank you. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for saving me. That spoke to me. I want to say to you that if you and I would reach out to others, there would be people in heaven one day coming to us saying, thank you. Thank you for stepping out. Thank you for taking that time out. Thank you for being obedient to Jesus and sharing with him about, sharing with me about his love. Or are some of us like those boys, those guys on the no muscle, so distracted, busy with my own life, luxury liner, eh? On the beach. There's an urgency that God wants to bring to us. You and I can make a difference. You know, the kingdom of light. The kingdom of light. Look at this. Just want to emphasize this. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 to 11. This speaks about judgment day. This is the worst day in all of mankind's future or past. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So Paul, the apostle, is saying, you know, as believers, we will also stand on the, before God on judgment day, not in terms of heaven or hell, but how we lived our lives. We will get rewards if we would reach out to others. But those who do not know God, Paul is saying, knowing the terror of the Lord, it will be a terrifying, horrible day. If you found in your sins on that day, the King of glory, that day. Today is the day of salvation, but on that day, the one day, the day of judgment, the King will say, bind him hand and foot and take him into darkness. For he rebelled against my word and against my rulership. I know it's not nice to think about that. But that is the truth. There's this one day and we have time to reach out now to those who do not know Christ. We have the honor, the privilege. You see, everyone who doesn't know Jesus is lost. But the good news is this. You and I don't need to try and save somebody in our own ability. We have a helper called the Holy Spirit that will help us. Look at this. Acts chapter 2 verses 37 to 38, it says, now when they heard this, this is the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the city. It says, now when they heard this, the preaching of the gospel, it says they were cut to the heart. Say, cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent. In other words, turn from your rebellion to the King of glory. Turn, bow the knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin. Turn from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And then the light, this kingdom of heaven will flood in to save and to set free. Repent. You see, but there's this, it says there, a cutting 
to the heart. It's a supernatural anointing by the Holy Spirit to go beyond someone's mind, to go beyond their intellect, to surpass it, and to cut straight to the heart. And to see them turn. I need Jesus. This guy, Andres Bassoni, he shares a story of a rebellious young man. He wanted nothing to do with God. And uh, his mother dragged him to the front of the church to speak to the pastor. And so now he was speaking. He could see this young man doesn't want to be here. He's like, I don't want to be here. And so now he's sharing with him the gospel, but he can say, it's not working. It's not working. There's nothing happening here. And the guy was like, Jesus, help me. This guy, the young man, is not listening. And then Andres Bassani, he says, the next moment he, he experienced the power of the Holy Spirit above him, and it flooded into this young man. He said, the next moment, this young man grabs his heart and goes down to the ground screaming, I need to change. On the floor screaming, I need to change. That is the heart of the evangelist. That's the evangelistic anointing. Supernatural power to cause a rebellious teenager to wake up and realize, man, I need to change. Amen. So we have a partner. We're not on our own. You're not trying to persuade people intellectually to turn to Jesus. We are leaning on the arm of the Holy Spirit. God, Holy Spirit, convict. Come. I'm going to share the message. I'm going to share my testimony. But save Jesus. You know, one of, one of the stories I often share and I, is uh, about Aviwe, my friend. So he was an atheist. And around, what, two years ago, uh, he came to one of our services. And uh, I connected with him at the end of the service, and he didn't want to. Like, he was trying to hide away. So I said, what's your number? And he's, oh, no, the pastor's asking me his, his number. Oh, my number. So he gave me the number. I phoned him. We had coffee in the week, and I was preaching at him from 10 different angles about Jesus for about two hours. And he was still like, nah, nah, not ready. And uh, that Sunday, he responded on the altar call, and he committed his life to God. Or at least he prayed the prayer, the sinner's prayer. So the following week, I went to his house. In, uh, and so we had a chat for another hour, hour and a half, two hours. And, and as we started off, he said to me, Pastor, you know, I prayed your little prayer. But the lights haven't come on yet. The lights haven't come on yet. So I said, that's okay, it's okay. And I, for the next hour or so, I shared with him about the Holy Spirit and the power of God and committing his life to Christ. At the end, I realized, oh, I need to go, I need to go. Um, I'm quickly going to pray for you. So now he's standing there. He's, he's got up from the chair. He's standing there and he closed his eyes. Now I'm praying for him. Now he says to me later, the next moment he's seeing a light with his eyes closed. And he's thinking, why is the pastor pointing a flashlight at me? And I had no flashlight. So he's seeing a light and it came closer and then it went away again. So I'm standing on the other side. I'm looking at him and praying for him that God would touch him. The next moment, a light comes into him. I'm looking at this. His response is like, whoa, whoa. And he goes down into the chair and he sits and he sits like this and he shakes. And he's tears running down his face. And he's saying, this is real. This is real. This is real. You know, he said the lights haven't come on yet. 
And then the light came. The kingdom of light, the kingdom of glory came out of the kingdom of heaven into him. Rocked his world. And he realized, this is real. We are not preaching a fairy tale. We, have, we, we didn't make up a little story to keep people busy or to get their money. Jesus died for every soul on the face of this earth. And unless we repent, unless we turn away from our rebellion and our sin to Jesus the King, we are lost. Let's trust God for an evangelistic culture, an environment where if you build it, this boat, if you build it, God will save. God will save. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your amazing love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Almighty God, we pray, God, that this fire would be lit in our hearts. Without Jesus, we perish. With him, we live for eternity. In Jesus' name.